Hello and welcome to the Beans Media Diary. I'm so pleased you're to listen in as we've got all of these things coming right up. I don't believe that the only thing that someone can turn around to you and say is no. Yeah, massively. What, what have you, and what have you lost? Nothing. Five minutes of writing a polite email to somebody explaining why you want to invite them onto your show and they can choose. And if they say no, well, that's fine. But if they say yes, then here you are. My name is Balf Baines and I am your host. In every instalment, I'm be joined by a different person from the world of media, food, technology and everything in between. So I promise you there'll be something for everyone. In this episode, I'm joined by Sam Sethi from Sam Talks Technology. Sam. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me as a guest. No, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. So I want to get straight into it. For mm. those people who don't know, what is Sam Talks Technology? It's my podcast from my radio show. So I do a radio show on Marlow FM, which is syndicated around the UK. And I podcast the radio show, and it's with guests from around the world in technology. Hugh, I vary it from Amazon Web Services one day, maybe the Plastic Bank, which is a brilliant, brilliant charity. Uh, and sometimes it's to book authors. So it's my website where I host all my podcasts. And you have a, is it right to call you a tech expert? Can I call you that? Is that... <laughs> uh, it has been mentioned once or twice before. 30 years in this industry, I think I know a little bit about it now. Just, just a touch, just a touch. <laughs> so what's your background then in the tech industry? Because you used to work for Netscape, is that right? So I've worked for companies like Microsoft, Netscape, Gateway Computers, and then uh, startups of my own. And then I started TechCrunch Europe as well, which is a leading blog here in the UK and Europe. Oh, wow. So what was the, what was the process in starting TechCrunch? Because I've, I've used it and I've, I don't know loads of people have used it as well. So what was the process behind starting that? Well, in the early days... Uh, it was only a micro blog in the USA and me and a couple of other people in the UK were blogging on our own platforms about UK startups and we were just doing events in London trying to get the scene going trying to get investors connecting with startups and then suddenly I thought well why don't we just pile in with Mike Harrington in, in the US and we can partner so I said to him look I'll run TechCrunch Europe for you and he said great and that was the start of it. Oh, amazing. So were you based in the US or the no. UK? For, for based your... over here in the UK. And really what it was, was I, I think a frustration that TechCrunch in the US was only really covering US startups. So you'd hear everything about the early days of Twitter or Facebook or Foursquare, but you weren't hearing about all the UK startups that were doing really well, you know, Stardoll or there was Bebo, there was Mushy Monsters, there was all these great startups, Spotify, Skype, yeah. but nothing was being written about them because they were European or UK based. And we felt that there were good companies over here in the, the European market space, but because they weren't in Silicon Valley, no one talked about them. So that's why we took the initiative to start TechCrunch Europe. So how would you find out about these companies then? Because in the early, obviously everyone knows about Spotify and Skype and all those companies you just mentioned. But how did you find out about them when they were just small, small companies? So as I said, one of the things I did was put on a lot of events for startups in London. So I used right. to do something called Open Coffee Mornings. And at the Open Coffee Mornings, we basically had all those startups turn up and we had all the VCs. Now, nobody... 
knew those startups. And so you'd get somebody like Michael Birch, who's worth 400 million now, but you know, he wasn't then. You'd get Michael Acton Smith from Mushy Monsters, who now runs Calm, the big app. The uh, meditating one, is it the meditating Exactly, with Alex Chu. So all yeah. those people used to be in London. We used to hang out together um, and we used to just meet up. And so that's the basis of the conversation we were going well you're doing that great thing and you're doing that great thing and no one's really talking about you and vcs aren't really investing into you so how can we give you a bigger platform for you to get the noise out i said that's how TechCrunch became bigger in europe so what is the reach for TechCrunch now is it gone global would you say or it is but i think the i think the effect of TechCrunch these days is lesser it's been sold twice now. So it was sold to AOL and now it's been sold to Verizon. Many of the early reporters and journalists and bloggers, maybe whatever word you want to pick, have gone. Okay. And so it's become much more of a PR copy and paste site now. So if you read the posts, it's literally someone's taken the press release and just added bits and pieces to it. So it's not as, it's not as influential as it used to be, but it's still the one site that people turn to to get the, the tech news quickest. Yeah, so moving back to your own website and your mm. own podcast, how do you get people on? I've like, listened to a few of your podcasts and it just seems you've got a wide range of people. So what's your tips and tricks to try and get the people you have onto your show and onto your podcast? Yeah, so the, as I said, I have been in the industry for quite a while and that means that i've got a fairly good network of people to to approach but you've you eventually exhaust that network and so the reason that i do it is i i look at some new authors coming out with books sarah kenzia or sarah fryer and i say look hey do you fancy just getting some exposure and coverage and each time you get a guest on you try and increase the quality of your guest count and so you ask the previous guest that you've had on, could you recommend someone in your network that I could interview? And then you reach out. And often I believe if you just reach out to people, they really are responsive. You reached out to me. And yeah, I, said, yeah. I, did, I was about to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lots of people are generous with their time, and which is what it is because no one's getting paid for it. At the end of the day, I, I, I look at what's going on in the news it's from my TechCrunch background. I look at what's going on that I find interesting and I think would make an interesting story. And I combine that and say, okay, well, let's talk to them. And so you just send them an email, you point them to the website, you talk about what you've done before. And then they often say, yes, I mean, I've had a couple of no's, but I can count those on one hand. So that's how I get a wide variety of guests. Because we had a webinar on is it Wednesday or Thursday. Yep. Um, and it was what, 20, 30 people. And I thought, and you said that in that webinar, so it just asked people. So I thought, I'm going to bite the bullet here. <laughs> I just ask. Um, and it works, you see. Yeah, um, I was really nervous and a bit scared, but I thought, I'm just going to ask and see what you said. And here we are. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing that someone can turn around to you and say is no. Yeah, massively. What, what have you, and what have you lost? Nothing. Five minutes of writing a polite email to somebody explaining why you want to invite them onto your show, and they can choose. And if they say no, well, that's fine. But if they say yes, then... Exactly. And in that webinar, you talked um, a lot about Descript, and I've had yes. a little play around of it. So for those, again, for those people not who are listening and don't know, what is Descript? So Descript is a podcasting editing platform which came out about a year ago. And up until then, podcast editing was very hit and miss. You either had to pay a lot of money for Adobe products and at the end of the day, they were still pretty average. 
or you'd have to use a free product called Audacity. And all you could do is just look at the wave file and try and guess where the ums and ahs were, try and guess where the pauses. And it was a lot of guesswork. And most people would give up pretty quickly because you just were, you just, you'd probably cut the wrong word out. And so Descript came out about a year ago and it allowed you to auto transcribe the podcast. And that was amazing because fundamentally that means you could look at it in the Word document. And as you edited the Word document, the transcription in effect, it edited the audio for you automatically. And that was a game changer. And being able to do that, just that alone was enough for me to want to learn the product and use it. And over the last year, they've really improved it. So for example, a lot of people, and I may well do it myself in this interview, will say maybe, and you want to take out those words from the edited podcast because it just doesn't flow very nicely. And to find all of those words, it was really hard. But now with Descript, you have one button and it removes them all. And so suddenly your podcast is much tighter. The edit's much cleaner. You can take out words and sentences that didn't really add any benefit. And the listener then gets a really tight, nice podcast to listen to. And so Descript's a great product and I highly recommend anyone who's in podcasting to certainly use it. And doesn't it, I remember you saying, doesn't it use the the versions that are coming out now? They use, use our AI. It's an AI platform. So what they've done is they've they've done a number of things. Well, the first thing is the AI allows you to auto-detect the speakers within the transcription. So if you were using it for this podcast, you would upload the finished file, the MP3 file. It would then auto-transcribe it. And then the AI would ask you to just listen to 10 seconds of a person's voice. And they would then say, ah, that's Balve, ah, that's Sam. And it would label where I was speaking, where you were speaking. Then afterwards, the what I call the the destructive nature or the descriptive nature of being able to remove words that's using ai to say right well that word there is that part of the wave file and then what it does nicely is it smooths over the gap so you don't have a gap in there and then the final part probably does a lot more but one of the final parts it does is the normalization which is again your volume on your side may be different to the volume on my side during this recording but as a listener, the last thing I want to be doing is having to click up to hear me and then yeah. click to hear you. So normalization is critical. And again, using Audacity or other platform tools, it was always hit or miss getting it right. Whereas with the AI that they do, they make an amazing normalization. So the sound quality on the output of the edit is equally brilliantly done. So he uses a lot of AI. And do you believe that's the future of the tech industry, so AI and where that's going? So, <clears throat> there are three, three levels of AI. Um, okay. There's narrow, general, and super AI. So narrow AI is really taking data, and it's really more machine learning is the real word that you want to be using, and being able to look at the data and saying, based on all of these different pieces of data, I interpret that this will be the answer. So it's just using clever, if this is true, then that will be the answer. It's a so, if, then. so is that recommendations on YouTube? Is that Netflix, Netflix, okay. YouTube, uh, Amazon. It's basically saying 500 people watch this Netflix video that you just watched, and then they watch this one after. Okay. It's more that you will watch that. And it's an, an element of computer machine learning combined with an element of AI. Okay. And that's 
every product, every piece of software will have that added to it. So it's not going to be, oh my God, wow. What it is, is it's adding that intelligence layer to technology that we've been missing. Okay. We started to see it years and years ago, but it was all, always a small amount. And now it's getting to be a much cleverer amount. So technology should be hidden. It shouldn't be that you have a massive learning curve to learn it. And now with AI, okay. you should be able to get up to speed quickly. Look, you're using Zoom. You don't have to understand getting the levels right, setting this up. No, it was one click and we were both in, right? The rest of it is being done by the software. Now, that's not probably AI, but it's just intelligence software that makes it simpler to use. Okay. The next level is called general AI. And that's when you think about self-driving cars or you start to think about machines that actually are smart assistants, your Alexas where they can actually do clever things for you so that they'll work out in advance. They'll know your diary. They'll know you've booked a plane ticket. They'll know you've got a hotel room. So it might say, oh, by the way, Bal, the traffic on the road to the airport's um, really busy. I suggest you leave now because you're going to miss that flight you booked. Now, that is taking it to the next level of where the software is actually thinking on your behalf rather than just doing what you ask it to do. Okay. And then finally, super AI, which I won't be around to see, you might, <laughs> but I won't, is the level at which computers will talk and be uh, unrecognizable from humans. So think of Will Smith and iRobot. Oh, yeah. The computer will be just as smart, as intelligent as us, or maybe more so. That's where super AI, and that's the big worry in the future, that will we eventually be superseded by computers because they'll be cleverer, smarter, and sound exactly like we are. But yeah, and because certain jobs are going because of computers, like car manufacturing, they're taking over. So I think there's a worry that if you are going into career, if you are going to profession in 20, 30, 40 years' time, am I going to be replaced by, by a machine or by a computer? More, but also I wouldn't worry about it. Every time you've seen this before, so when the industrial era started farm workers were worried that tractors would take their jobs and other machines would take over their roles and what happened was yes we took humans away from that basic grunt work of digging fields and whatever else they were doing that machines can do better and we put them into offices and what we will see is new jobs will start to appear that we can't even think about right now that will replace the jobs we have today and instead of doing repetitive work filing your tax return is a repetitive horrible task doing yeah. your accounts doing half the repetitive computer tasks that call center people do doesn't require a human and so those jobs will be replaced but the jobs that require empathy creativity intelligence human understanding feeling which will be a long long way before computers can do all of those things those jobs will appear they will have new words and new labels. I don't even know what you will call those jobs because they're not. Those are the jobs that people will learn and then start to do. Awesome. So podcasters are fine then? <laughs> uh, no, actually. <laughs> no. So one of the features in Descript is called Overdub, which you can apply to be on the beta for. And what Overdub allows you to do is train the AI to recognize your voice speech pattern. You're kidding. And so you read... You read for about wow. 10 or 15 minutes and then the Word document, I could just literally type a Word document and then get Descript to actually place my voice and create the podcast. That's incredible. That's amazing. I'm worried now. 
<laughs> You're okay. It'll be a little while yet. So what would so what would a typical day for you look like? So is there being obviously I know you're busy because I think you, you said in the webinar you'll record a podcast a day at the moment and there's a little yeah. bit of a backlog um so yeah, got six, unfortunately um I've been creating with two friends of mine an online podcast festival yes. called so if you want to find it is podcastfestival.live and we did one six weeks ago and we're doing one on the 15th of July and they've taken up more time than I expected they would and so I had all of these guests lined up, some great guests with great podcast interviews, and I have to edit them because I don't put in them out without an edit. Balancing between trying to drive people to sign up to these festivals to get tickets requires a lot of work. So uh, at the moment, I've got loads parked of podcasts that need to be broadcast and published, but that's fine. They will be. After the 15th, I can get back to doing that. So just talk about this festival that you're doing. So what does it involve and what are you doing? So clearly with COVID, offline festivals were not going to happen. And I always wanted to do a Sam Talks technology live, an offline festival. I was going to plan that for September. And then, of course, I, I, that's not going to happen. So I then thought, well, can I do this online? And then I talked to two friends who said, well, let's just do the first one about the future of podcasting and just get six great speakers, see if we can do it. And we got six great speakers, a TV production company, and we put it on and it's using a platform called hopin.to, but it's hopin is the name of the platform. And from a standing start, we got over 300 people buy tickets and attend the event. Uh, we had six speakers from Australia, New York, san francisco london so amazing wow. reach of speakers and we managed to put that together so we built the brand we built the platform we got these speakers we got the, the content together in less than six weeks and i was really happy so happy that we thought we'd do it again which probably wasn't the right <laughs> thing to do but anyway we are doing it again and on the 15th of july we've got a new one called voices of the world and we've got leading podcasters from china india south korea france america uk we've even got george the poet who was the yeah, bbc yeah. winner of podcasting the brit awards he won a peabody amazing amazing person if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard george the poet please just go and google him go and listen to him on youtube um, so i can't wait i'm going to be interviewing on the 15th about wow. his life in podcasting that's amazing. So you talked about the Asia market there. Is that mm. a big market coming up in terms of podcasting? Uh, it's bigger than England, bigger than yeah. Britain, bigger than most of Europe. So in terms of numbers, what you'll see is South Korea is the number one country in the world for podcast listening. It's got about 68% of all the population listen to a podcast compared to 21% of the population here in the UK. China is turning over in podcasting terms over $7 billion in revenue wow. from podcasting. To give that context, we're below $100 million here in the UK. So wow. we are not doing very well in terms of we, – we to think when we're podcasting that, that we're the leading edge of podcasting. We're not. And India is doing really well because Android phones, which is the predominant phone over there because they, they're smaller, cheaper – doesn't require much software to run a podcast. So people are beginning to produce them. They're quick and easy to produce and the content's getting out there. And so Amit Varma, who's going to be on the show is he was the 
recognised as one of the top 50 influencers in India, not just for podcasting, but across India. So he runs the biggest cricketing blog. He's on TV and radio out there. So he's got a massive audience behind him as well. And so podcasting in India is going really well. Wow, that's incredible. Because I would have, I don't know if I'm being naive in the situation, because you'd think us in the West or as America or the UK would be flying with podcasting, but clearly they're doing something better than we are. (laughs) There's there's two parts to it. So the reason why we're not making as much money is because we don't really have a very good micropayment system in this uh, part of the world. So China has WeChat built with with its own micropayment system built in linked to its bank account. So if you and I were doing this podcast and one of your listeners thought, wow, I really enjoyed that podcast, Balf. Let me give you, I don't know, a pound, two pound. The trouble of getting their credit card out, finding the way to get the money to you, and then you getting the money, it's just too much friction between wanting to do it and then eventually doing it. Yeah. Whereas in China, it's very much, it's there. It's you're literally, you're listening to the podcast. You can do it as you're going along. You can say, oh, that's worth five pounds. There you go. Have that. And that's what we have to get to. Now, we nearly had it with Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's. WhatsApp, um, yeah. Well, he was trying to build it into WhatsApp recently. He's just put it into Brazil. Brazil and, yeah, um, I saw, yeah. Um, but no, it was his Libra initiative, which was the micropayment linked to Bitcoin. Okay. Um, it was a digital currency linked to what they call fiat currencies, the dollar or the pound. So it would be more stable than Bitcoin. And had that come out, and if you think how big Facebook is in terms of 2 billion daily users, Instagram and WhatsApp, there would have been a great digital currency for us to use in the West, a bit China has. And that's when I thought podcasting in terms of our revenue from just micro cash payments would have gone up because then you build up a fan base, they support you, but they have a mechanism as well that's really easy to make payment. Yeah. So talking about your massive tech company, so your Facebooks, your Googles, do you think there's another company that might disrupt it? Because I know they spend billions in R&D at the moment. So they're just going to keep growing and growing and growing. So do you think there's anything that's going to come and disrupt it at the moment? Oh, so every company has its day. IBM was, nobody thought anyone would ever change IBM and then along came Microsoft and then along came Apple and then along came Google and then along came Facebook. So there will always be a company. I think uh, Amazon's the most interesting company that will affect Google. So if you think about your smart assistant, if you start to ask it for where's the local takeaway or what time does the pub open or where's the restaurant or book me an Uber, you no longer are using your mobile phone and you're no longer using your laptop to do a google search so suddenly google's worried because when they do a google search on your laptop you get three ads at the top you get five or eight ads down the side and then you get 10 results so that's 20 pieces of content that they can deliver to you in one search but if you had that on your google home assistant hey valve option one is an advert option two is an advert option three you'd be well no i just want the answer right (laughs) yeah So voice is going to disrupt Google quite a lot. And again, the mobile phone becomes less important if voice becomes ubiquitous. So at home here, I've got five or six Alexas around the house. 
they've just announced Alexa for the car. They've just announced, oh, wow. you know, and I've got uh, earbuds, not the ones I'm wearing now, which have Alexa built into my earbuds. Suddenly, as I walk around the house, I can do what's the time, who, or if I want to do a, a query or a search or add that to my shopping list. I think Amazon's going to disrupt Google quite significantly. I think you'll begin to see other smaller companies that we don't know about in the uh, AR and VR world, augmented reality and virtual reality world. So as long as Google and Facebook aren't allowed to buy up all of their close competitors, so Google bought a UK company called DeepMind. Now, DeepMind is an amazing AI company. But Google bought them very early, and so now they won't compete with Google. Facebook bought up Instagram before Instagram could actually compete with Facebook. So you've got TikTok, you've got Snapchat. If they're allowed to buy these companies up, then they won't be a competitor. But if the governments stop them actually creating monopolies, then there may well be a new company that comes up that does it differently. Social media hasn't changed in 10 years, really. Because I was reading the Disney CEO, Robert Iger, I was reading his book, and Mm -hmm. he said he was close to buying Twitter, Mm -hmm. but he had a change of heart in the last last minute. And I was thinking that, imagine if that did happen, Disney owning Twitter, that would be, like, Disney's already huge anyway. The reason they pulled out of that deal is because of the potential liability. Liability. um, You've got too many trolls, you've got too many different negative tweets that go out and it doesn't marry very well with the disney clean uh, image but i'm a firm believer that i think in probably a year maybe two years twitter will be a paid service you won't have it for free okay so you'll pay a subscription to get onto facebook and twitter because the problem is that getting rid of the trolls and getting rid of the russian uh, bots and getting rid of all of the negative parts of twitter and facebook um, becomes a game of whack-a-mole. Every time you get close that one, another one pops up there, and you close yeah. that one, another one pops up, and you just you're always chasing. You'll never get it right. And so one way of doing it is to say, right, well, it's ten pound a month. Now, if you imagine you're a Russian bot farm who's putting out fake news and rubbish all the time, if every account and they've got thousands of accounts costs them ten dollars, and the effect isn't massive. You know, they won't want to be spending a hundred thousand dollars a month. So they'll probably go, oh, can't be bothered anymore. Or I won't. I might only do one account, which doesn't really affect anyone. So I do think that the only way to make social media much more acceptable is to make it into a paid service, remove some of the advertising. They still make a lot of money on revenue, the platforms, but it means the trolls and the fake news bots will disappear. Wow. So just as you're talking, I'm thinking that what is a bot? Because I've obviously I've heard of it. And I know what they do, but how do they work and how do they thrive in like a social media environment? So they're basically a, a form of AI. They they take on uh, a load of different sets of data. So if it's a Russian farm bot, they will troll through all the tweets and they will create a, a data set that they can look at, and then they'll put a set of rules. If Balve says he's a Democrat and he supports Hillary Clinton, put out a tweet that says she should be locked up, put her in jail, okay? Okay. And it automatically fires off. It's a a robot tweeting out. It's nothing more than that. And so they set up a set of rules based on, this is all the data coming in from Twitter. Based on that tweet, which we can analyze at a high level because they can do it through a computer super quick, if it meets one of our rule criteria, which is really what AI is, it's a set of rules, 
then put that tweet out or put that tweet out. So it will put different okay. tweets out to different people. So you're tweeting something and you suddenly say a keyword or a trigger word and it, it finds it in the data set and it goes, right, Balve has just said the trigger word. Fire off the tweet that tells him he's wrong or tell him. Uh, and suddenly you get angry at something that actually isn't human. It's actually a, a robot who doesn't care about you, but you're getting angry yeah. and angrier, right? Or conversely, it's supporting what you say. So, for example, you, you might be a Trump supporter and it would have Trump didn't do something. He can drink water with one hand, really. And suddenly it'll go, you're right. Have you seen this video from it? Have you seen this? And you'll go, you see, I told you I was right. I told you I was right. And so what you end up with bots and that thing is the, the reason why we're such a split country from Brexit or through to American Republican Democrat is because fake news bots are going in and tracking what people are saying and pushing them further and further apart by reinforcing what they think and believe. Wow, that's incredible. Because I said I've heard of bots before, but I didn't know that's mm. how they, they operated and that's how they worked. And which is why pe people are trying to say to Mark Zuckerberg that he's got to police facebook better and jack dorsey at twitter is beginning to label tweets as either fake news or uh, from a poor source and so what we are trying to do well, i say we the industry is trying to do is to find a way to give people uh, more information context around the tweet you know this tweet came from a russian farm but just ignore it okay. or this tweet was paid for by the republican party so it's propaganda or this facebook post is not true it is fake we did land on the moon don't believe the earth is flat yes make sure you do take your vaccines so all of those stupid memes that go around that say that those things aren't right or true they're now beginning to label them so if you still want to believe that they're you know real that we never went to the moon or the earth is flat. Well, that's fine. Be an idiot and go and believe what you want to believe, but at yeah. least it's labeled correctly. That's where we're going. Okay. So just to wrap up, I usually ask my guests three questions based on the past, present and future. So the first question is about the past and it is what advice would you give a 15 year old Sam Sethi? So what would you, what would you say to him? Train harder for rugby. Don't be so lazy. Now, I, I guess if I had to look back, honestly, the opportunities there in the industry were all in front of you. You just had to look harder. Yeah. And so I, I missed a lot of those opportunities, I think. So I'd say to myself, learn to code earlier. Be a coder because you're, you're going to need it. Everyone needs to code. Yeah. Uh, and, and make sure that you're less hasty about things, I think. And a question about the present. So you've got a dinner party. Uh, mm -hmm. You can invite three guests, any three guests you want. They can be celebrity, non-celebrity, family members, non-family members, dead, alive, anybody you want to. Which three people would you invite, Sam? Who would you go for? Oh, uh, the first one's very easy. That's uh, President Obama. Still the best president there has been. Hands down, um, hands down. Most intelligent man, I think, uh, you can hear. It's have to be Stephen Jared or Jurgen Klopp. I can't pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, not sure which one I, uh, of the moment I'd go for Mr. Klopp. Okay. So I'd have him at my dinner party and I think I'd have to have a female there. And so I'd have my wife. That's a good choice. I think she'll be happy with that. <laughs> so just, just to wrap up and to finish this uh, podcast off, where do you see yourself in 10 years time? So it's a question about the future. What do you think Sam Sethi will be doing in 2030? 
Interesting that. I think the world of augmented reality will be here with us. And I think that although podcasting as a voice medium will be here, I think it will be a mixed reality environment. So we will still be looking at talking the way we're talking now, but the way that we receive the content won't be through a phone. It won't be through headphones. It may be through glasses. It may be through another medium that we listen and receive stuff. So where will I be? I mean, I'd think that I'll be a successful podcaster and, and radio presenter and whatever it may be. And along with that, I will be using different platforms to get my message out. Perfect. I can't think of a, a better way to end. Thank you so much, Sam. Well, thank you so much for having me as a guest. Thank you. If you have made it this far, thank you very much for listening to The Beans Media Diary. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe or follow. I promise I'll be super grateful. And if you're feeling kind, please leave a review. A massive thank you to everyone at Beans Media for their help. Make sure you keep an eye out on our socials for details of the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>